Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and on the new KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We pop on out to the KDOS hotline as we're joined by Matt George from ABC 10 KXTV in Sacramento. Matt, we're going to chat about some Sacramento Kings. How excited are you that the Kings are finally back in the playoffs? It's been almost 17 years, and now it's just one day that we have to wait here in Sacramento until the playoffs begin. And this day might feel longer than all those years combined, to be truthfully, uh, truthful with you. But, man, the, the, the vibe, the buzz in the city uh, has been incredible. Last time the Sacramento Kings made the playoffs, I was 12 years old. Uh, so this has been a long time coming for a lot of us. And there's going to be, if nothing else, a major release of frustration, impatience, whatever it may be, uh, there, the, 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 there's going to be a, a, a sound level heard and felt from the Golden One Center come tomorrow night. Well, you mentioned it there. The Kings, they finished uh, first in the Pacific Division, third in the NBA West with a 48-34 and record. They've reached the postseason for the first time in, uh, as you mentioned, nearly 17 years. So as this team got the 2022-2023 season started winning games, when did it become apparent to you that this wasn't an aberration and that this team had turned a corner, found some key pieces, and was good. So they went on a seven-game win streak pretty early on in the season. Had some pretty impressive wins, including a win over the Memphis Grizzlies during that stretch. And and we felt like, okay, this Kings team is capable of, of winning basketball games consistently as the longest winning streak that team had gone on in, in God knows how long. Uh, and then what we were interested in seeing was, okay, where's the fall off? Where's the drop off? Like where's the, where, where does the other shoe fall? Right. And that's kind of something that not just test in Sacramento. I think everybody around the league was waiting for with this Kings team all seasons. Like, okay, they get off to this hot start, but when are they going to cool down? Right. The Kings managed to, until the very end of the season, the last three games of the season, which they were resting players, they managed to avoid a losing streak of more than two games. Uh, every uh, for, for the rest of the season since November, basically. So they had a, a, a 0-4 start. They lost three ga- straight games in, like, early November. Then they didn't lose more than two straight all the way until the end of the season. Uh, so this Kings team did a really good job of not allowing, like, extended losing streaks and, and, and for nipping bad habits in the bud and making adjustments uh, very, very quickly. Uh, they ended up building a, a six-game win streak again, um, like, a, about a month or so, maybe a couple months uh, after that seven-game win streak. So they just consistently were able to keep facing what was in front of them, some waiting for the, the shoe to drop, uh, like the goalposts being adjusted a little bit, uh, waiting to see what other teams did, like after at the trade deadline and after the All-Star break and continuing to handle it and face it and not look phased and looked comfortable. They looked like a team that had been together. So I don't know if I, I can necessarily pinpoint, like there's a game in particular where the Sacramento Kings beat the Utah Jazz um, by one point in Sacramento, and Kevin Herter hit a uh, essentially a game-winning three in that game that absolutely blew the roof off of the arena. Uh, and that was like a kind of a oh man, this like welcome kind of what to what the playoffs could be here moment. But I don't know if I, I can point to anything specifically where I went. Oh, this is a playoff team. Mike Brown has already won at least one Coach of the Year award, justifiably. What's impressed you the most with what he has done with uh, the Kings in his first season? Oh, God, how much time you got? I could I could spend half an hour just talking about Mike Brown and how impressive he is and all his accomplishments. I mean, first off, I believe the number is 11. There's been 11 head coaches between Rick Adelman, the last Kings head coach to get the Kings in the playoffs, and now Mike Brown. So Mike has been able to do what 11 different 
coaches, including some pretty impressive names, were not able to do. Uh, and he did that right away. But Mike came in day one, and he was saying the right things, preaching the right things. Uh, and, and I think the, the one thing that he's established clearly is the accountability that he, that he preaches, but the respect that he, he has amongst his players and his staff to where he can call out his players privately or publicly. And he called players out publicly multiple times this season, specific guys by name. He called out De'Aaron. He called out DeMontis. He called out Keegan. Uh, he called out different guys. And they would respond to him and, and, and take that and not take that personally or take that and, uh, and be upset about it or allow that to have any kind of impact on the locker room. Like they would buy into what he said uh, and they would go and they would work on it. And then he would be the first guy up celebrating that, that accomplishment and pointing out and giving them the praise uh, that they deserve for making um, the adjustments that he needed. He had a, a, a contract written up that he had the entire team sign if they wanted to that said they were just going to completely buy in and give 100% to what the Sacramento Kings were trying to do. Everybody signed that, and there's two copies. There's one in the practice facility, and there's one in the Kings locker room. And they've held that up all season long. Mike has brought that culture here to Sacramento that we've been missing for a long time. He's Matt George from ABC10 KXTV in Sacramento here on KDOS AM1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, For a while, it seemed like DeMontis Sabonis was linked to the Suns in trade rumors. It obviously never happened. He ends up in Sacramento. His numbers are impressive, averaging 19.1 a game, 12 rebounds a night, and just over seven assists a game. Uh, So a two-part question here. Getting to see him night in and night out, what adjectives can you use for his game? But then also, how does his game translate to matching up against this Warriors team. Yeah, just watching him play, you're just so amazed, and then you start taking it for granted. Like, he's a double-double machine. He leaves the league in double-doubles. And it got to a point where it's like, okay, he'd be three-fourths of the way to a double-double, or he'd have, like, eight points, nine rebounds, and and really also, like, four, five, six assists by the end of the first quarter. And you're just like, okay, he's going to get it. And, and he did it so much uh, over the course of the season that you'd just look up and you'd see and you'd go, oh, wow, okay, that's pretty par for the course for, for DeMontis Sabonis. And I never wanted to let myself get to a point where I wasn't amazed uh, and appreciative of what Domas did, but he, he does so many things. He just fills up a stat column uh, in so many different ways that you expect it and you can still appreciate it, you know? Um, how, does, how does Sabonis match up against the Golden State Warriors? First off, I don't think the Warriors have anybody on, on that team that can – can stop him. They're going to try and disrupt him with guys like Kevon Looney and maybe Draymond Green if they want to go small, to which DeMontis, I think, will punish them for it. Because Sabonis can beat you on all three levels. It's not just like, he's improved a little bit as a three-point shooter, but I'm not just talking about him as an outside shooter. Like, he's aggressive and physical around the rim and in the paint. He can score, of course, around the rim. Decent mid-range jumper, decent three-point jumper. But the Kings run so much through him on the offensive end of the floor. Dribble handoffs, uh, him running point guard. You'll be surprised how many times uh, if, if DeMontis Sabonis gets the rebound, gets a defensive rebound, more often than not, he's the guy taking the ball up the floor. So uh, he'll initiate the offense and, and take over ball handling duties when he needs to as well. So much runs through him and he gets so many of his teammates involved. So he's really a ridiculously tough cover because you don't know if he's going to attack and look to score. You don't know if he's going to dish off and find teammates. He can set screens while having the ball in his hand and still find someone else that's completely disconnected from the play, roaming the perimeter. Like Sabonis, you, you have to have like three or four eyes if you're guarding DeMontis Sabonis to see everything that he's capable of doing. He's a great decision maker, high basketball IQ guy, and then just an amazing teammate too. I think that's where he really jumps off the page to me. Is Sabonis could have come into Sacramento when he was traded here and said, 
I'm the former all-star. I'm the guy here. Nobody else has done anything. This is my show. This is my team. He didn't. He's come in and completely supported um, De'Aaron Fox. He is arguably the most important king for the first three quarters. And then once it gets to the fourth quarter where De'Aaron Fox shines, Domas will go up to Fox and say, hey, where do you want me? You want me in the corner? Do you want me setting the screen for you? Like, what do you want me to do? Uh, which is pretty rare for a player of, of Sabonis' caliber uh, to, to kind of take the back seat or, or hand the keys over to his guard and do what he needs to do to help De'Aaron and help the team win. Nice segue because I had Fox next on my list here. So how does uh, – he, he's like the fastest guy with the ball in the league, I think. But how how's that matchup work against the Warriors? I don't know who in Golden State's going to be guarding him. I think they're going to throw a, a bunch of different looks at him just like – the Sacramento Kings are going to throw a bunch of different looks at the Golden State Warriors. The reality is neither of these teams are good defensive teams. Uh, the Warriors have a little bit more of a defensive track record, especially, of course, in the playoffs, which the Kings don't have. Um, this is going to be an offensive series. So no matter who the Warriors throw at De'Aaron Fox, De'Aaron's going to be able to get to his spots. Uh, and he loves to uh, – I mean, he's, he's sometimes set a little too much for that outside three-point jumper, uh, but he's capable of knocking it down. Of course, we know how aggressive he is attacking the basket. Um, but his mid-range game, it's, it's his uh, quick as, – as Mark Jones, Kings broadcaster and ESPN broadcaster, likes to say, pop in the clutch where he can just get that quick first step burst and get to that elbow jumper and, and pull up, and that mid-range shot is almost automatic. Um, he does it every single night in the fourth quarter. It's his go-to look. And it's, it, no team can really stop it, even if you know it's coming, because you're not quick enough to stay in front of him, and you have to play him tight because he's now capable of knocking down that three-point shot, unlike at the beginning of his career. So um, like, I don't know who this, the Golden State Warriors plan on throwing at him. I think that he's probably going to get Gary Payton uh, the second against him at certain points, but the Warriors also need to have – uh, Steph and Clay and their offensive guys on the floor, I think at all times or close to all times uh, in this series because of how prolific the Kings' offense is and how quickly the Kings can pull away. I think this is just going to be honestly a classic Western shootout. It's just going to be a lot of points versus a lot of points, and who can ever outscore the other and get hot at the right time will win. Matt George from ABC 10 KXTV in Sacramento here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra points. Okay, so points are fun. Defense, though, tends to ratchet up a little bit here in the playoffs. So can this Kings team play enough defense? Basketball, playoff basketball typically slows down a little bit more, more attention on the defensive side of the ball, and the splits for the Kings' home and road defense are quite different. Yeah, believe it or not, like the Kings are a better team uh, on the road, which has been really confusing uh, and, and really surprising with this with this Kings team um, this season, considering that I mean, they haven't really been there before, and typically it takes longer to, to become an established road team than it is in your own building. Um, I mean, defensively, I don't think the Kings have anything that they can truly hang their hat on. Like, that's the reality of the situation. They're, uh, we're going to kind of go in and uh, go into this series and with our eyes wide open and say, okay, Kings, show us something on the defensive end of the floor. I will say, though, um, the fourth quarter defense for the Sacramento Kings, if you're looking at just fourth quarter defensive metrics uh, versus the, the entire game or, or first half or even second half, the fourth quarter metrics are, are significantly better for the Kings, like top 10 or top half of the league. So that's something that maybe they can hang their hat on a little bit. Um, and But I feel like that's more kind of optimistic, wishful thinking and not necessarily cherry picking of stats, but like it's it's you're trying to kind of talk yourself into the Sacramento Kings defensively being able to hold their own. The reality is the Kings just need to get enough stops to allow their defense or their offense to hit shots and pull away. What they want to avoid is being down by six points with two minutes to go where they basically have to get a guaranteed 
handful of stops, so they can't allow the Warriors to score more than one or two more buckets over the remainder of the game uh, so so that they can win, essentially. Um, so if the Kings are in consistent points in this series where they have to rely on their defense, I think they're in trouble. Same thing can be said with the Golden State Warriors. That's just not their games. Um, but it's a great question because we don't know how the Kings defense is going to square up uh, with the Golden State Warriors or with any team really in the playoffs. They're going to kind of have to prove it, and I'm sure that's a lot of what they're working on in uh, this uh, this week of essentially mini training camp before playoffs. Last up for me, you know, the, the Kings are going to get the home game, get the home court advantage. I assume uh, there are some Warriors fans in Sacramento with all the success the Warriors have had in the past. How many Warriors fans are going to be in that arena on Saturday? Yeah, this is something that I think has been blown way out of proportion um, with this series because the Golden State Warriors have been such a bad road team this year. I don't expect them to be nearly as bad on the road uh, as they've uh, during the postseason as they've been during the regular season. Um, but like, there seems to be this belief that the Golden One Center is going to turn into Chase Center, Sacramento version, or that a lot of Golden State Warrior fans are going to be come to Sacramento. And there are a lot of Warrior fans in Sacramento, not just because. Maybe some fans here over the years have, have just gone over to a winning franchise while the Kings have struggled for so much. But there are a lot of, uh, of transplants from the Bay Area that have moved to Sacramento and up north a little bit um, to, to just for, to change their, their, their way of life a little bit. So uh, there are definitely a lot of Warrior fans in Sacramento. That being said, like Kings fans have been waiting for this for a long time, and, and also Warrior fans aren't the only people with cars. So if, if there's a concern that Warrior fans are going to be inside the Golden 1 Center, Kings fans are also certainly going to have a presence in Chase Center. But in reality, when we get to the games themselves, I think it's going to be a moot point. Like, you're going to see Warrior fans in the crowd in Golden 1 Center. You're going to see Kings fans in the crowd in Chase Center. But they're not going to be so present and so apparent that it's going to be more than a, a minor talking point or something for the TV cameras to catch. And it's not going to have any effect on the series. I think it adds to the environment a little bit, but I think you're especially going to see in game one with how long it's been for this city and it being the first playoff game ever inside the golden one center. I think you're going to see a sea of purple out there with some sprinkles of gold and blue in there every once in a while. All right, Matt, before we let you go. So what is realistic success for this team? Do they get past the warriors in the first round? Realistic success, uh, I, I think there's two different definitions of it. The first definition is, one, do they prove that they belong? And this has everything to do with them and really nothing to do with their competition. It's, it's do you look like you belong here? We're going to get minimum four games of context that Kings general manager Monty McNair can go into next offseason and work with because we don't have any of that context now. Is De'Aaron Fox that guy? Are Fox and Sabonis that pair can, that can maybe win you a championship one day? What does the supporting cast look like? What holes do you really need to fill? Um, and Monty might have a decent idea of that now, but once he gets that playoff context, he can really um, start putting in the work he needs to make this summer to make sure that this Kings team doesn't just be a fun story one year, but they get back to this spot and go even further than it uh, uh, next season. So that's that's one area of it. In terms of like the Kings versus Warriors directly, look, the Golden State Warriors, I don't believe, have won or lost a, a Western Conference playoff series since like 2014 or 2015 or something like that every time they've been in, which is pretty incredible. Uh, the Kings are more than capable of knocking the Warriors off. However, the Warriors definitely should be the favorite. So I'll say this. I'm predicting the Sacramento Kings to win in seven. I think the one thing that's for sure about the series is that it's going to go six or seven games. I just have a hard time believing it's going to end in four or five. Um, I think it's going to be back and forth. There's going to be a lot of drama, a lot of excitement um, in this series. Again, the Kings, I think, definitely have a chance. They, uh, they're going to have to prove it in some way. But regardless of what happens, I think the Kings are going to show that they belong and they're going to open a lot of eyes and surprise a lot of people who still, despite the Kings being the third seed, 
didn't watch any Kings basketball or didn't pay enough attention to what the Kings have been doing in Sacramento all year long because they're worth the attention and they're a lot of fun. Well, Matt, there's one thing that I think maybe we can speak for everyone here is that I hope you're right on this being a really fun, uh, competitive series. And, of course, the drama of these two Northern California teams should be a lot of fun to pay attention to here in the first round. We really appreciate you taking some time on the show with us today. It's an absolute pleasure. Best of luck uh, to the, the Phoenix Suns out there, too. I don't know if the Kings and Suns can match up, but those have been some fun battles so far this uh uh, this season as well, and uh, the Suns are my pick to make it out of the Western Conference just based off how loaded they are. Uh, so it's a fun time to be on the West Coast right now. Agree with that. Appreciate it, and maybe we'll be talking with you down the road here. Uh, enjoy tomorrow's contest. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Once again, he is Matt George there from ABC10 KXTV in Sacramento.